The following podcast contains spoilers and pretty naughty language. We watch Hello everybody and welcome back to We Watched A Thing, it's Billy and of course, as you know from listening last week, Topher has decided not to join me, so instead I've got who I like to think of and who I've thought of as, you know, for the last couple of years in fact, as the far superior Topher. He can be just as smug, he can be just as cuddly, it is my very good friend Sam Hurley from Movie Reviews and 20 Qs. How you doing mate? I was doing alright until I heard that, I don't know whether to take it as a compliment or not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm kind of glad that our countries are in lockdown. I'm not going to look out my window and see you outside pining for me like you have been for Topher recently. So, <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It's hard, mate. It's hard. I can't cuddle anybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've got my wife here, but you know what being married is like. <laughs> yeah, it's just not the same, is it? Just not the same. I also got to say, no. though, I do feel like the other woman because I did come on the old episode and start going like start throwing around hashtag cancel Topher and a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> so I do feel like the other woman. I do feel like I've... Incurred this or somehow been part of this, but uh, I don't feel guilty. No guilt. Well, it makes sense to me that you be the first guest on this kind of new format because you're you're basically still the only guest we ever had. So <laughs> exactly. So why not? Why not? How you been anyway? How how is the lockdown treating you? Yeah, good. Uh, for those around the rest of the world, New Zealand who fought had beaten COVID has now gone into another lockdown. We're basically we're, we're fine. We're gonna we're gonna deal with it just like we dealt with the last last couple of cases that we had the first time around. We're gonna deal it. We're gonna smash it. We're gonna come through the other side. Team of five million absolutely man you've got you've got jacinda on your side who fucking rocks like i've no doubt you guys will be fine yeah absolutely (laughs) well thank you so much for joining me and what are we talking about this week mate this week we are doing the brand new nicholas cage film pig yeah so you actually watched pig before i did and you were like oh man you should you should watch pig and i was like all right well let's i mean why not let's let's chat about it why not yeah and so your wife, Stacey, famously not the biggest Nicolas Cage fan. That's an understatement, um, I think. I think if but- she could wipe him from existence, she'd be pretty keen to. After Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise is like next level, oh. don't joke about it type sort of um, person yeah. for her. Whereas Nicolas Cage is like, you can you can sneak a few jokes past her around Nicolas Cage. <laughs> but from what I gathered from you, did she really, really like this movie? Is that right? Yeah, quite often on our podcast, uh, we have uh, the Stacey comment of the movie. So there's always one or two comments that Stacey makes throughout a film. She's normally pretty quiet, but the Stacey comment for this one was, I was convinced I was going to hate that film. I actually enjoyed it. And I was like, cool, do you want to watch another Nicolas Cage film? No. No, I fucking don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this movie surprised me too, because I very, very, very rarely watch trailers for films at all. Mm. Um but because I was watching this with my wife and she had no idea what it was, I was like, yeah, okay, let's watch watch a trailer, see if we're keen for it. The trailer did not look at all like what this movie turned out to be. <laughs> no. And even the general premise of this film, which is literally Nicolas Cage is a former chef living out in the woods and he has his pig stolen from him by some people. And I think- all of us, every single person that went to watch this film was like, this is going to be John Wick with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, that was my thought. I thought this was John Wick with a pig. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought we are going to get an unofficial trilogy of John Wick, nobody, and then this pig. <laughs> yep. It was going to be the literal unofficial trilogy where it could all be in the same universe. And you spend the entire runtime waiting for that. You really do. Yeah. 
Right, well, let's get into it then. So Pig is a 2021 American drama film co-written and directed by Michael Sarnowski in his directorial debut. It stars Nicolas Cage, Alex Wolfe and Adam Arkin. And what is it about, Sam? Uh, Nicolas Cage <laughs> is a former chef living out in the woods. He has a truffle pig and he spends his day looking for truffles. Uh, Alex Wolfe plays a young and up-and-comer named Amir who is basically comes out to the forest once a week, gives them groceries, takes his truffles, and then goes and sells them in Portland, I believe. And, uh, yep, Nicolas Cage's pig goes missing, and he goes on a, I wouldn't say rampage, he goes on an adventure. I don't know, (laughs) Odyssey to get his pig back, I think is the best way to describe it. Oh, I like Odyssey. (laughs) Odyssey, yeah, it is. It's an Odyssey. Uh, because like this, we find out that his wife's died and this pig is the most important thing in the world to him. So he needs to track down this pig. So as you say, I was I was really expecting this to be much more of an action thriller type film. And it's funny, this film, more than any film I've ever seen, actually it de-escalates as the film goes down. Like the amount of, the the way that the tension drops every kind of five minutes in the film and yet it somehow stays really with you and engaging. Yeah. It's pretty smart filmmaking that I've not seen in quite a long time. Like, because even when he first goes to the city, he ends up in, this is when you think the John Wickness of it all is going to start. He ends up in this weird kind of fighting cage with a bunch of chefs, <laughs> which it, it kind of comes out of nowhere. You're a little bit like... What's going on? <laughs> um, I don't know if you can talk about it too, because it's like Chef's Fight Club, and you know the first rule: you don't talk about it. Yeah. Sort of thing. But it, it's very bizarre because that is the point in the movie where I think most people will go, "Okay, here we go. Here's where it's going to start ratcheting up the tension. Here's where we're going to yeah. see Nicolas Cage go on a rampage because he just goes up to a wall and writes his name down, and then it's like a hush passes over everyone of like knowing yeah. who this guy is and knowing exactly. that they want nothing more than to beat the living shit out of him which obviously is something that a lot of people would like to do because it's Nicolas Cage my wife included but they <laughs> they see this homeless bedraggled man and they're like I can't believe this I can't believe this is him he's back let's let's kick the shit out of him yeah and you think here yeah. we go and- here comes the roller coaster and then nah I know and from that point on it's funny, like the whole film, and this is where the trailer kind of leads you off, because for most of the film, he's got kind of a bloody, battered, bruised up face, and you're like, oh yeah, Nicolas Cage is going to fight some motherfuckers in this film. <laughs> yeah. But from that point in the film, it devolves into a series of kind of lengthy conversations about food and life and grief, and you get, you know, these series of sequences of him kind of chefing. It's almost, it's like John Wick meets chef minus all violence. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I was struggling to think of another film in which the protagonist or antagonist basically cooks the antagonist into submission. I was thinking, Red Dragon? Is that the closest I've come <laughs> to somebody cooking the other person into submission? <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's, it's a hard film to describe, especially because you're right. Like, I, you, you haven't seen anything like this. You haven't seen anything like this in a long time. And any other standard Hollywood filmmaker that's got a few hits under his belt probably would have turned this into John Wick. That's exactly what I thought, too, is that it's, you know, there's, of course, this is a directorial debut. Like, of course it is, because as you say, any established director would have turned it into something else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk cast for a second. Um, 
Nicolas Cage, I think for me, this is easily his best performance in a very long time. I know there were a lot of people out there who really enjoyed Mandy. Mm. I'm in the minority that did not like that film. From memory, you're on the same page as me with that? No, no. I I really enjoyed Mandy, but to me, I didn't buy into the hype train. It's like, like I like Nicolas Cage as an actor. I think he's great. I've always, you know petitioned for him on our podcast and tried to oppose <laughs> Stacey's views on it. Stacey was very adamantly against him until she actually saw some of his earlier films and suddenly realised what the charm was. And so, f- yeah. for, for me, by far, the best is his most unhinged performance of all time, which is Vampire's Kiss. That's probably my favourite film of his. <laughs> Yeah. Following that up is Conair, where he plays almost a version of oh. this, where he's just so subdued in a film full of nutcases, which, like, when you go you're back right, and revisit actually. it, you're like, how the hell is Nicolas Cage the most normal dude in this entire yeah. movie? Yeah. You're right. That That's one of my favourite action films of all time, actually. But yeah. you're right. I've never really thought of it like that, that he, he is the most subdued person on, on that plane full of outrageous Villains, yeah, exactly. Like it takes a Why lot to make. Why couldn't you just put the pig back in my shed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> but yeah, like this this film almost echoes some of that. Like I would say this is easily his best performance in a long time. Like Mandy was great. You know, his um supporting role as a voice actor in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse was great. Oh uh, yeah, but true. Actually, those yep. are the only like massive hits that he's had in some time. Um, funnily enough, watching this film convinced my wife to watch Willy's Wonderland, and that movie is fucking terrible. Yeah, I did clear that one because I heard it was no good. Yeah, so he he's still on a roller coaster of one great performance to six bad ones. So he's <laughs> he's, he's still he's still a very fluctuating man. But at the same time, like I I compare this to uh, Leaving Las Vegas, which is the one that he won his Oscar for, and it's one that we went back and looked at. And to be honest, his performance of this way surpasses leaving las vegas leaving las vegas's performance is probably one of the worst acting performances i've ever seen win an oscar so <laughs> there is that but at the same time like I, I i will go out on a limb and say i think he deserves to be nominated for an oscar for this film just purely based on his performance and the way he kept it uh you know interwoven into the story and yet you know like really yep. engaging at the same time i don't think he's going to be like there's no expectation that he will similar to tony clett and hereditary yeah. or lapita nwongo and us it's like they're just such weird films that there's no way yeah. the academy will reward these types of people so yeah it's too much of a genre flick yeah but yeah no he i i agree with you and i think that this film really must show people what Nicolas Cage is capable of. You know, like people think of Nicolas Cage and they think of over the top, crazy, as you say, they think of A, B, C, T, E, F, G. (laughs) But this is such an understated, subdued performance. Like this is such a quiet film. And he, you know, he's, you could almost argue that he's underplaying it. He's not going over the top. It's not like he cries his grief out, but it's just a really, good level performance i think yeah incredibly well-rounded and it also takes like because we all know he's a bit of a weirdo and it takes a bit of a weirdo to play this type of role like there's very few other actors that could have gone into this role and given us the performance that we were wanting or that we needed and that's exactly what he did like I, i can't think of anyone else that i would have cast in this role and got the same result I think he was absolutely perfect for this role. And, you know, there's a running joke about how he literally does any single film that exists. Like, you throw a (laughs) pot at him, he'll go and do it. This might be one of those times where it's similar to a broken clock being bright twice a day. It's just, you know, a perfect coalescence into what this is, which is an incredibly good film. I think you're right, because it takes a certain kind of performer, I think, to to give this 
the serious level of weight that it deserves. That for the first half hour, not only are you expecting it to go John Wick, because it's not going there, there are times where you're almost inclined to laugh a little bit. You're like, what? Like it's a, it's a pig. Like there are lines that are inherently funny just because he's talking about a pig, but he gives the performance with such earnestness that that goes away pretty quickly. And by the end, you are devastated when spoiler alert, the pig dies. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the film does a really good thing of not having the balls or no, 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 not having the like almost cliche-ness of just showing you the death of the pig or reuniting him with the corpse or anything like that. He gets told and then you don't see it. And so you just have to like wallow in his grief of him knowing he's mm. never going to see that pig again. Yeah, And it's, it's yeah. heartbreaking. Like you're right. Cause you know, anybody that's watched look, all of us cinephiles, anyone that's watched a lot of movies always goes by the premise of, if I haven't seen the body, then don't know if it's dead or not. You know, <laughs> like yeah. watch any horror film or anything like that. Haven't seen the body might still be alive. Any superhero film, pretty much anything like that. And so when we find that out, that the pig is dead and, like, the guy he's confronting at that point, we know, is, like, quite an honest man. It is. It's heartbreaking. Like, you almost want to have seen the body so you could have seen Nicolas Cage and this pig get some closure. But he just, he doesn't. And then he just tries to go about his life and you're just like, where does this guy go from here? What's his next step? Yeah. Like, what is he literally going to do from here? So let, let me do the, uh, the reverse Stacey question for you then. <laughs> <laughs> it's often asked on your show, how would you incorporate Nicolas Cage into this film? How would you erase Nicolas Cage from this film? How, like, could, do you think that there is any other actor today who could have played this part the way he did? I'm really struggling with that. I was when I mentioned that before about how he was perfect for this role. I was trying to think like who would come closest, like Matthew McConaughey maybe, but at the same time yeah. he's just slightly too pretty. Yeah, maybe Jim I don't Carrey. Like him, but oh yeah, Jim Carrey would be good. He's done some interesting things. I don't like him, but I could see Jared Leto trying for this performance i could see him giving it giving it his all <laughs> look i'm a firm believer of the less jared leto the better so <laughs> yeah jim carrey would be an interesting one actually uh, jim hmm. carrey is interesting in the fact that most people just immediately think of his comedies yet his best performances were stuff like truman show or man on the moon or eternal sunshine oh. spotless mind like these are yeah. these are performances the majestic yeah the majestic again similar films where this wacky, you know, oddball has basically had to tone it down and do a reverse of what you would normally expect from him. Mm. And it, because it is such a contrast to how he normally plays it, it just becomes such an engaging performance. So it's it's almost like one of those things of, you know, like because you've seen so much weirdness from this guy before that when you get the opposite, it's almost like refreshing. So who knows? Maybe that's the reason why we're so fond of Nicolas Cage in this performance. But uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 So... The film really has like the two central performances, and it's funny in some ways. Even though this is a film about grief and loss, it's it's really kind of a buddy picture, and it's about these two men, as you say, on on a bit of an odyssey together. The other man being Alex Wolf, who you and I spoke about quite recently with old. Correct, yeah. Um, how, where were you on Alex Wolf in this performance? Do you think that he's matching Nicolas Cage? I. He's he does very well with what he's been given, which to be honest is quite a underwritten character. Like he's he's there as a foil, uh, you know, like he's he's got his father's expectations, he's trying to rise above those. He's also trying to somewhat support this guy, even though he rather than cash cow, sees him as his cash pig. So he's just basically trying to milk this guy for all he's worth. At the same time, like that's that's the extent of his character. But like as the film goes on, you do see a bit of character development form between him and Nicolas Cage, especially when he discovers who he is 
and what his name used yep. to carry. And he actually suddenly realizes that this guy he's been, you know, effectively stealing from, you know, he's trading top class truffles for basically a picnic <laughs> basket that he stole from Winnie the Pooh or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's quite an interesting performance from him. And every time I've seen him, he's got kind of. Similar to Nicolas Cage, he's got a very distinct look about him that you can't help but look at him and go, weirdo. And he's very good at playing that sort of like. Not not like a not a confident scary weirdo like Nicolas Cage, but more of a you know sort of like introverted shy type of weirdo looking guy who's desperately trying yeah. to you know like make something of himself and yet doesn't you know you're not really rooting for him. Yeah, you're exactly right. And talking about the character being underwritten, it's actually very funny that from a traditional writing perspective, the screenplay is is probably actually quite weak in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, it's funny how engaging it is, but there are so many flaws with it from a technical point of view. Even just, like, the realism and the non-explanation of things, like, why is there a fight club of chefs taking place? You know, like, in a John Wick-style film, that would be okay, but in a more traditional drama, you would expect it to be more grounded than what this film is in a lot of ways. But in some ways, the the surrealism of the Odyssey is what makes it work, for me at least anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. It is that unnerving feeling and the surrealism of it that, like like we've talked about, it, you know, once it's been established that he's, a guy has lost his pig, his pig's been stolen, and he goes to try and find it, it does sound like the most boring premise ever. You know, and yeah. and you think, okay, well, the only way to ratchet this up is just basically him going nuts and like, you know, kicking the shit out of every single person he finds until he finds it. But, you know, to not do that and to try and sort of weave a narrative where you're still engaged by it is, yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. And you're right, from a technical perspective, the script isn't there. None of the dialogue is super memorable or anything like that. It's, it's more of the performances by these actors that the director's got the best out of what he's got. You know, like, it, yeah, yeah, he's like far exceeded what was probably on the paper. And I think if you shop the script around a ton of other people, I doubt very many people would look at this and go, this is going to be great. It would it would be remiss of me as well to not mention the cinematography in this film and how beautiful this film is from the first moment. This is shot exceptionally well. Like, not only is it a very, very pretty looking film, but it's also not over the top. Like, there's not a bunch of crazy camera movements or anything it's it's just it really serves the story and it's just very lovely to look at yeah and the i don't know who the dp was or anything like that but the way it lingers on shots the way it mm. like gives gives these actors uh, the time to have their performances and to like really convey emotions and to draw you in is, is phenomenal like there are there's some amazing shots in this like showing the you know woodlands around portland through to like the cityscape, through to the you know chef's fight club. I don't know how you describe it. Through to what becomes the antagonist's <laughs> like you know house. Like they're all like amazingly shot, you know set pieces, scenes, all that sort of stuff. And it's just yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. It truly is. Did you see that ending coming? Him just like going to the bad guy's house and cooking him a really nice meal. There's <laughs> not many movies that would work in. <laughs> I'm struggling, yeah, struggling to name one. I and it's. By the end there, I, I'd stopped having expectations. You know, like, I, I there was a part about halfway through the movie where I said to Stacey, I was like, I've got no idea what's going to happen next. You know, because everything I'd expected to happen up until that point, it just hadn't happened. They just sort of, yeah. it just skewed, changed. 
You know, like you you didn't expect this homeless looking guy who's just, you know, disheveled to just carry this weight to have people suddenly be terrified, know who he is, you know, go to this flash expensive restaurant and the the waiter there almost falls over himself and then especially when the you know, the head chef comes out and Nicholas Cage just derides him down so oh, that many was a great levels. scene actually phenomenal yeah. just phenomenal just yeah. this tiny part that again gives you these snippets of like he's gonna lose his shit and when he does it is gonna be amazing it is gonna be epic <laughs> <laughs> to then just floater it through to basically cooking him a meal and then just the guy saying you, you cooked that for my wife or you know that was the last thing she ate or something yeah. like that and you're just like what is going on here? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. And, and, and it, is, it is not like Vampire's Kiss. It's not like one of these other Nicolas Cage movies where he literally loses his mind. Ghost, Ghost Rider 2, one of my favorite films as well of his. It's, just, it's <laughs> like nothing makes sense. The whole time you're just like, I'm, I'm in for this. Nothing makes sense. Whereas this one is like, I'm totally in for this and nothing makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's almost like the the finer things club. I guess is the best way to describe it. Like, ah, oh, yes, yeah. what a tasty little morsel of talented filmmaking. I love it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I do, that that for me is where the screenplay really works and where it holds is the kind of the themes and the and the undertones. It's not so much what the characters say, as you say. It more comes down to the human performances and like what they're conveying. Um, it's it's really very well done absolutely what would be the meal for you like if if you were if you were a bit of a dick you stole some guy's <laughs> pig and he came to get it back what what would, what would he cook for you to kind of turn you around and, and make you be like i'm sorry <laughs> mate i've got 17 pigs under the house right now if you want one <laughs> <laughs> just send a bucket of fried chicken to your house exactly. it's all sweet send me some fried chicken and it'd be all yours <laughs> I'm going to go with steak, though. I'm going to go with steak. Steak is usually my standard answer. Fried chicken, steak, maybe a combination of those two of a bucket of popcorn, and I'm, I'm anyone's. I really am anyone's. Yeah, nice. <laughs> very, very serious question, because, like, I consider you a friend at this point, but that might change based on the answer. Aww. How do you, How do you like your steak cooked? Medium rare, sometimes even- Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, sometimes even rarer than yeah. that. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah only way to eat it i've gotten really into smoking meats lately because you know i'm over 30 now and that's what we do we, we get strange hobbies it's either it's either world war ii or smoking meats absolutely so i've been i've been making my own bacon and stuff but i've started like lightly smoking a steak before i sear it oh. and geez it's good oh Making me hungry. <laughs> and not for truffles. Not a fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a truffle fan either. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, it's obvious that we both very, very much enjoyed this movie. How are you scoring it? This is a hard one for me to score because while there's a lot of this I love, I don't love love. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, I'm, trying to, I'm struggling to find something to fault with this. I'm going to give it a solid eight. Just a nice, yeah, okay. solid yeah. eight. Yeah. That's a, that's a very high score. It is. Um, yeah. I'm I'm even higher. I'm a nine on this. This wow. is currently this is currently my top film that I've seen this year. I think, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm recommending it. I think it takes a certain kind of not e not even like a certain kind of viewer to enjoy it. A certain kind of mindset. Yeah. I could have watched this on a different night and just been in the wrong headspace for it. But if you're the kind of person who likes an offbeat, like if you're a Charlie Kaufman fan, for example, I think I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I, I have to contractually, uh, I am contractually obligated to say that uh, Black Widow is currently my favourite film, but it might be Shang-Chi <laughs> or Eternals or Spider-Man <laughs> Far From Home. Oh, mate. Black Widow cannot be your favourite movie of the year. <laughs> it might actually be this, to be honest. In a year of yeah? like very like middling films where nothing's really blown me away, it might be this. It might actually be this. <laughs> but- I, I might I might hit you up again to uh to do Eternals with me then. Oh, I'm I'm actually here. actually yeah. actually get a Marvel fan on to school me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You wait, you wait till <laughs> like, I like, break your guys' just, system, give you like a twelve out of ten. You wait. I- that's right. <laughs> Instead of you just like yelling at your car stereo or something, you'll be able to yell at me in real time. It'll be great. Yeah, listeners, <laughs> if you want to hang around and listen to the hour and a half diatribe I have about everything these guys said wrong about Black Widow, here it comes. Number one. <laughs> oh mate all right well thank you so so much for joining me tell i mean i'm sure that at this point all of our listeners know where to find you but just in case there are some slow people out there and even if you are slow i love you anyway don't take offense to that but let let everybody know where they can find your wonderful show absolutely just search out movie reviews in 20 Qs on any of your podcasting apps if you found this one you can find us and the uh, general premise of that is that we basically take a movie and we ask 20 questions about it. Billy and Topher, the, uh, do we talk about him? Are we, are we allowed to? Bring no, him? he's dead to me. Okay. <laughs> Billy and the guy that was. So he, he, he will be back. He's already told me that he wants to do Dune. So nice. he'll, he'll be back at some point. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, yeah, Billy and the, the he sh- shall not be named. They've been on a couple of episodes. So yeah, the Godzillas, we've done those. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know how we got onto that tangent. But Billy did Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind, which is one of our more popular episodes. So yeah, if you want to come hear Billy absolutely gush out of his orifices on that one, yeah. then yeah. Yeah. Oh, such a great movie. It is. Such it a is. great movie. <laughs> All right. Well, next week, I'll be joined by Daniel Hendo Henderson from the Movie Journey podcast, and we'll be talking about Green Knight. All right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, I guess, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and I'll catch you next week. Go watch a film. Yep. Definitely. We would be, um, fuck, I'm losing my English. (laughs) (laughs) 